Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Some of you might or might not know this, but we're in the middle of a series uh, called 4 Plus 6. And uh, it's basically a series on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Uh, and the reason why 4 Plus 6 uh, is because, you know, it's the Ten Commandments can really be broken down to two parts. There can be four uh, pertaining to our relationship with God and how God wants us to, 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 to interact with Him. And uh, six, you know, it, it governs our, uh, our, our treatment of each other and, and how we are to interact with the people around us. You know, Jesus summarized this, you know, love God with your all and love your neighbor as yourself. And that is basically the, the, the two components of the Ten Commandments. And we wanted to call that the, the, the thing instead of Ten Commandments, you know, so traditionally Christian, we thought four plus six because it is the plus sign, the cross, the Christ in the middle uh, that enables us to live it out. Amen? Uh, and so I want us to, to, to know that, yeah, you know, as we're going through the commandments, we're not just saying that, hey, you know, this is the law, this is the law, this is the law, you know. Uh, by all means, we are saved by grace. Um, but what we need to understand that it's not just the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God. It's also the grace of God and the law. Amen? We're asked to live by grace and the law. And, and, and actually, it's, it's grace that enables us to live out the laws of God and is the law that points us to our need for God's grace. Wow, wasn't it good? Yeah, I, I told Kat last week and then she, she said, that, that's really good. You should have said it last week and I go like, okay, I'll say it this week. So write it down one more time. You know, grace enables us to live out the law and the law points us to our need for God's grace. Amen? So it's, it's, it's these two things, you know. We are saved, not by works, but we're saved. Now our works need to reflect God's nature. Our behaviour needs to reflect God's nature. But as we try our best to reflect God's nature, we realise, oh, what a sinner I am. And I'm in more need of God's grace. And that is also my hope, you know, for people watching, whether watching live or watching from at home high. Uh, you know, it, my hope is that for Christians, we will realise that, wow, you know, I've got so much I need to do. You know, now that God has saved me, I need to guard my heart in this way. I've got to live my life in this way. And, I, and we cannot do it without the help of God. And for those of us who don't know God, I hope that this will help us to realize that, man, I'm not as good as I think I am. You know, because a lot of times we think that, no, I'm good. How many of you have met friends like that before? You try to tell them, hey, you know, come to church. Hey, you need Jesus. And then they go, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. And sometimes they mean like, no, I'm good. Like, I've got enough stuff going on in my life. Uh, but it could also mean that, no, I think I'm a good person. You know, I don't think I need religion. I don't think I need more rules. I think I'm doing a good job of ruling my own life. I think I'm doing a good job of, of, of loving the people around us. But through this, we realize that, oh, I'm not that good after all. Amen? And so last week, we talked about commandment number one, uh, which is that to not have any other gods before me. And God is reminding us through that, just a brief recap, that we were made for a master, right? Whether we realize or not, we are made to serve. We are made for God. And, and if, if Christ is not your God, something else is. You know, it's as simple as that. And sometimes money is our God. Fame is our God. You know, uh, um, I don't know. Our girlfriend or boyfriend can be our God or gods, depending on how many you have. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we, we must, you know, we must also be careful not just to go through the motions because, you know, the reason the first command was given is not just to remind that, you know, we need God and that we're made for God, but the, the first commandment is there to remind us that the first thing we got to get in our hearts right is that we need God. And out of that flows. And so the other commandments, we, we live them out knowing that we're doing it for God to honour Him. Otherwise, we risk doing church and doing religion without God. And that is very dangerous. Uh, and of course, last but not least, we talk about, you know, we need to, how do we live it out? Therefore, we need to live it out by submitting to Christ, you know, above all else. We got to ask ourselves, do I love God above all else? Do I trust Him above all else? You know, do I fear Him above all else? In other words, you know, is Jesus enough for me? You know, many times, you know, we, we say, yeah, Jesus, we sing songs, Jesus, you're more than enough for me. But in our real lives, is He is he, you know, do, you know, if we suddenly get bad results, you know, is our world suddenly shaken or is Jesus enough for me? You know, if we lose someone we love, you know, is that, 
You know, is, is Jesus still enough for me or, or are we now bitter towards God? You know, if we go through a tough time, you know, uh, is Jesus enough? And so, there's a question we've got to ask ourselves as we live our lives. Is Jesus enough for me? God, I want you to be more than enough and I need you above all else. Amen? Which brings me to today's title and uh, it's 4 plus 6 part 2 or if you're taking down notes, just write, you shall not make idols. You shall not make idols. Alright, and this is commandment number two. Commandment number one tells us that we need God. Commandment number two tells us how to worship God. And so today, I want to talk to us about worshiping God, engaging with God, glorifying God, because that's essentially the summary of what commandment number two is. But don't take my word for it. Let's read. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1 to 10. Uh, as the weeks go by, we're going to read more and more into Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5, or Deut. If you want to be cool, it would be like Deut. And, uh, and, and today, we're going to read commandment 1 and then commandment 2. Uh, but let's start. And Moses called all Israel, said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn and, and, and learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, those of us who are alive. In other words, it's a reminder that the commandments is for us who are alive, not just an ancient piece of document. The Lord talked with you face to face on the mountain from the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at a time to declare to you the word of the Lord if you were afraid of because of the fire and you did not go up the mountain. Amen. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And then this is where we need to focus from verse 8 to verse 10 for today. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Amen. And this is where we stop, and our focus today is on verse 8 to verse 10. So feel free to underline that in your Bible we will be asking ourselves three questions every week as we go through the Ten Commandments. And the three questions are, and we asked them ourselves this, uh, these three questions last Sunday, and, and they are, what does this command tell us about who we are? What does this command tell us about who we are? And then we're going to ask ourselves, why was this command given? And then we're going to ask ourselves also, how do I live it out today? Amen. So these are the three questions that will govern all three points. And so let's go back to the first question. What does this tell us about who we are? What does this command tell us about who we are? What does you shall not make idols tell us about who we are? Because sometimes in the modern days, we can go like, well, I don't make idols. You know, I'm fine, you know. But God's word is not there to just be idle. It's there to speak to us even today. So point number one is this. To answer what does this tell us about ourselves, point number one, we are creatures of comfort and convenience. That's the truth. For some of us, it's an ugly truth. For some of us, it's a revelational truth. You'd be like, oh, I get it now. No wonder I find it so hard to wake up in the morning. I'm a creature of convenience and comfort. You know, no wonder. You know, I like to do things I'm not supposed to do because I'm a creature of convenience and comfort. And this is proven again. You know, I, I, I didn't give it to the team, but... Write down Exodus chapter 32. Go back and read the whole chapter. And in Exodus chapter 32, you have basically, you know, simultaneously while God was having a conversation with Moses about the Ten Commandments and about the laws, the people down at the hill, because earlier on we read that Moses said, hey, I went up because you were too afraid. So I went up and when I was up there, meanwhile, Exodus 32 happened. And Exodus 32 was basically them going up to Aaron and saying that, hey, let's just, let's just basically 
let's just, why don't you just create this God? You know, don't, let's not wait for Moses. We don't know what happened to Moses. Maybe he didn't survive the climb to the mountain. Let's just, let's just make something. Let's just create a God. Let's just worship and get it over with and let the party begin. And, and that shows again the, the heart of people. God saved them out of bondage, saved them out of Egypt. And they wanted to thank Him by saying that, let's just, let's just do, you know, let's just, let's just create a calf image of God. Let's just put some food in front of Him and let's just say, thank you, Jose, but, you know, let's, let's, let's you know, let's, let's, you know, chill another time. I'll come back to you when I need you. Let's party right now because we are free people. And that still speaks to us today. Right? And many times we can come to church and we still, you know, we, we, we are still wrestling with comfort and convenience. You know, come on, be honest now. How many of you, there are days when it's raining and you don't feel like coming to church? Right? Come on, come on. No one? Okay, just so you're too, too afraid, right? You'd be like, no, but come on, no, let the truth set you free. But it's, it's true. You know, and because we are, we, are, we are like that. And now, is there anything wrong with comfort? No. Is there any wrong, anything wrong with convenience? No. It doesn't mean that you can't shop, you know, where it's convenient for you or comfortable for you. You know, if, if, if that's not the case, then all of us will have to repent from Amazon. Uh, but, no, the truth is, no, there's nothing wrong with comfort and convenience, but, but we cannot worship God in comfort and convenience. You can shop in comfort and convenience. You can travel in comfort and convenience, right? How many of you want to, you know, be upgraded to business class one day? First class one day? You know, if your hands not lifted up, it's because you are already flying business class in first class, okay? But how come I didn't see you tithe earlier? No, I'm just joking. You know, and it's okay, right? Jesus is saying that thou shalt not fly business class. No, 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 no. So we are Christians of comfort and convenience, but we cannot worship God in comfort and convenience. And Jesus teaches us this, right? Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 26. Luke 9, 23, 26, Right? Jesus teaches us, there he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That doesn't sound very comfortable. Take up his cross daily. That doesn't sound very convenient. Have you tried going to class with a cross behind your back? Have you tried to do shopping with a cross behind your back? That's not convenient, right? And follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Oh, that's not very comfortable. But whoever loses his life for my sake, Wow, how come we don't preach like this anymore? Are you ready to lose your life for Jesus? You know, we'll save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world, if he's so comfortable he gains the whole world, and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Amen? In other words, God is saying that, hey, I'm not here to make your life comfortable. Don't, don't get me wrong. God wants to bless us. God wants to heal us. But we cannot center our worship towards God on comfort and convenience. And if we do it, we're doing it wrong. And commandment number two is not just don't make idols. You know, there is an uncomfortable part that many times you don't focus on in verse 10 that says that, look, I am the God who is jealous. And I am a God who, you know, it will... will will visit punishment for generations for those who hate me, but I also show mercy to those who love me. God is showing us that the, the Ten Commandments is not just there to give us a set of rules, it's to show us the heart of God. You know, we sang today, you know, I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart. Now God is revealing His heart. It's not always convenient. God is saying that don't make any idols because I do not stand for that. God is not throwing a temper tantrum. God is showing His displeasure. God is saying that I'm warning you, please watch my tone, right? That's what we do, right? You know, some of us, we, we say something, but our tone is sarcastic, meaning that we don't mean it, right? And sometimes we, we say something with a deadpan tone because we mean it. And growing up in an Asian family, my mom doesn't have to raise his, you know, I still remember one time I was asking if I can go for a sleepover at my friend's house. And my friend, you know, who is a Christian, go like, where's your faith? You know, I go like, no, I don't think I can ask my mom. And my friend said, where's your faith? If, the Bible says, if you ask and you shall receive, you never ask. And I'd be like, that's a good point, my Christian friend. And I went up to my mom and go like, mom, um, can I go? No, I've been uh, doing decent in my studies. Can I go to my friend's house for a sleepover? 
And then my mom looked at me and said, there's certain things you do not need to ask. And now, that, that statement, if it's just a text message, if you read it with the wrong tone, it can be like, there's certain things you don't need to ask. Oh, thanks, mom. You're the greatest. But my mom's tone was, there are certain things you do not need to ask. That tone tells me that if I were to ask her one more time, anyway, so, you know, it, it didn't help that she was chopping vegetables at the time, okay? So it's like, oh, no, not, not, you know. <laughs> anyway, God was telling us his tone. I am a jealous God. Don't you dare do this. And, and, and we, we find it difficult to look at God because sometimes we look at God, he's, he, he sounds like Santa Claus or he sounds like, you know, he sounds like a jolly old man. He's like, oh, don't make idols. <laughs> no, no, no. He means that don't make idols. Nothing on earth, nothing in the water, nothing under the sky. Don't you dare because I am a jealous God. And that's how we're going to go like, whoa, God. Jesus, when you say, if you want to follow me, he wasn't giving a suggestion. He wasn't saying that, uh, for those of you who want to follow me in person, uh, you got to deny yourself and follow the cross. But those of you who don't want to, you can tune in from online, give us a like and subscribe. No. Jesus wasn't saying that. Jesus was saying that, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. If you want to follow me, carry your cross Daily not a one-off thing. And sometimes we think that, oh, you know, I surrender my life to Jesus once. And God says, every day is a surrender. Every day is a repentance. Every day is cross-carrying. Amen? You know, and sometimes we go like, oh, God, you know, you know why? Uh, and, and we, we allow, if, I'm not, if we're not careful, we allow comfort and convenience to frame uh, our worship. And, and the sad thing is this, that, you know, I've, I've met people who, you know, they will change church when they change address. You know, because for them, God is about comfort and convenience. If you're not careful, right? I just remember um, years ago in Acts Church when we first launched an 8 a.m. service. How many of you come to church if we have an 8 a.m. service? Not in London. Uh, but in, in, in Malaysia, 8 a.m. service. And a lot of people went. And I was like telling Pastor Kenneth, I'm like, wow, Pastor Kenneth, it's a revival, man. 8 a.m. service, woo! And then Pastor Kenneth told me, yeah, yeah, could be. But then he's like, you know, maybe more discerning. So, but I think some of the people are also coming because they want to get church done and out of the way so that they can enjoy the rest of their Sunday. And I'm like, ooh, I never saw it that way. Because for some people, church starts at 8 so that by 9.30, by 10 o'clock, they're done. And then after that, they can, they can go shopping, they can go brunch, they can go exercise, they can take their nap, they can go golfing, they can do anything. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's, oh, wow. And this is why God wanted to give that command. He wanted to tell us, my people, I love you, I've rescued you, but you've got so much more work to do. You've got so much more improvement you need to embark on. So what does this tell us about ourselves? That we are creatures of comfort and convenience and knowing it is half the battle. Amen? You know, it says here, you know, deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Those of you who want to gain your life will lose it. Those of you who lose your life will gain it for me. And I will acknowledge you in front of my Father and in the witnesses of angels. You know, do you know that in the Middle East, and I heard this from a missionary who ministers in the Middle East, they say that, do you know how they baptize people in the Middle East? Over here, when we baptize, they say, no, do you believe in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I do! And then we go like, by the confession of your faith, we now declare you, you know, baptize in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how we do it. Take nice pictures, post on Instagram. Ah, oh, like baptism. But in the Middle East, where Christianity is seen as public enemy number one, where people are, are put to death for believing in Christ. They literally ask them, you want to believe in Jesus? Let me ask you a few questions. Are you ready to die for Him? Are you ready for your family to reject you? Are you ready to lose your job? Are you ready to go to prison? And if they say no in any of them, the person actually say, then brother, sister, I don't think you're ready to be baptized. Wow. 
if I were to do that to you, you would be like, I'm going to change the church. And yet, have we unknowingly, as I'm preaching this, I'm checking myself, am I unknowing? Because, you know, I, 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 I take leading God's people with, with huge responsibility, and I'm like, God, forgive me if I've ever unknowingly led my people instead of closer to the way you want us to be worshipped, which is self-denial, embracing the cross, following Jesus every day. And, and, and if I'm leading people away from that and closer to comfort and convenience, then God, I have fallen. I have fallen short. And my encouragement to you is this. Come on, friends. This conviction is not just for places and, and, and nations that, that face persecution for their faith. This is for us. Jesus tells us this. Amen? Point number two is this. To answer the question, so why was it given? Right? Why was this commandment given as a warning? It tells us that, hey, first of all, don't make idols because I know you guys are people of comfort and convenience. You want to make an idol and get over it. And I know this from personal experience as well. You know, I used to grow up in a Buddhist and Taoist family and we do that all the time. Right? We build a little altar for, for our gods, put some fruits, put some cake. We put a cake that lasts a whole year there called, you know, Sticky cake or nian kao. I know sometimes when I was young, uh, nian in, in Mandarin means sticky, but it also means year. So sometimes I thought, oh, it's the, it's, it's the cake that can last the entire year. So you only need to offer up the offering to the gods, the kitchen god, the ground god, the safety god, the war god, you know, different gods, the money god, you know, uh, just a little bit of fruit, a little bit of cake, and then we can do whatever we want. That's the human deceptiveness. We want to just get religion over with and do what we want. God says that, no, engage with me every day. But point number two is this, right? Why was this given? Because we limit God when we worship Him the wrong way. Why was this given? It's given for our benefit because when we make God into an idol, what are we doing? We're limiting Him. And God is saying that I am not like, am like nothing under the heavens. I am like nothing on earth. I am like nothing under the water. That's why I said do not make, do not carve, do not, you know, engrave something, you know, under heaven, on earth, or under the water because God is saying that because when you do that, you're limiting me. Because I am the God that walks on water. I am the God that spoke creation into being. I am bigger than creation, so do not limit me with your creative mind. Do not limit me with your imagination. There's another word for limitation, and we use this in the secular world, called objectifying. We hear this many times, you know, don't objectify women, right? What does it mean? Don't reduce them. We say don't look at women, don't objectify them, don't make them into a sex object. What, what it means is this, right? A woman is so much more than just your, for your sexual pleasure. Do not objectify them as just a pair of legs. Do not objectify them as, as something to hang around your hand. You know, do not objectify because when you objectify, you reduce. See, we understand this in human terms, right? And, and all girls here, right, with a resounding amen, you know, you hate to be objectified, Amen? Okay, not, not loud enough. Okay, please. <laughs> amen. Right? I'm saying amen for you because I don't want to see you objectified. Right? You know, <laughs> people always say, you know, the, the, the biggest hurdle to, 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 to get with someone in ex-church is, is not the, the girl, it's the pastors. Anyway, because <laughs> I don't want you to be objectified because when you're objectified, you're reduced. And God is saying, do not objectify me. And it's to your own detriment, it's to our own suffering. When we limit God, who suffers? God or us? Us. God is still God. But we think He's small. We think that He's a statue hanging on the wall, but He's not. We think that He's only powerful on certain days, but He's not. We think that He looks like this, but He's not. And, and Jesus, again, you know, in, in, let's turn to some scripture. Luke chapter 9. So, Earlier on, you see Jesus, right? Telling them, if you want to follow me, do this, do this, do this. And then following in, let's jump further in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. Luke 9, 28 to 36. You have the transfiguration of Jesus. So as Jesus' ministry grew, as he encountered more, he began to look super, more and more supernatural, 
right? And so this is recorded. And so this is one of those incidences. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, right? These sayings, the earliest sayings about denying yourself, pick up your cross, follow me, right? Lose your life and gain it. Gain your life and lose it. And it says, now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James, went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance on his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. We have moments like that where we, where we do things not knowing the ramifications, not knowing the limitations. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone, but they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. Again, talking about tone. Talking about God as a jealous God. Here you have, right? The Son of God there, just transfigured, praying. Moses, Elijah appeared, talked to him about fulfillment of his, of his death. And, you know, the, the, Moses representing the law. Elijah and his ministry representing the Holy Spirit, fire. Elijah's ministry was a fire, you know. And, and so they were there, you know, going like, wow, Jesus was, was so excited. You know, you're going to do, you're going to fulfill the law, Moses probably said. And then Elijah said, and then you're going to usher in the coming of the Holy Spirit, Elijah said. And then Peter went like, oh, we should build three tabernacles. And, and, and this is when God responded. Sometimes we read and then we think that, oh, it's best. But then it says this, right? A cloud came and overshadowed them and they were fearful. It was as if like they did not know what they said, right? Earlier said, oh, and also Peter, right? Who represents us in the Bible all the time, right? At least to me. He's like, oh, Jesus, that's amazing, man. You're looking great. I love your new suit. Woo! You know what? We should build three tabernacles. We should build three monuments, to represent you, okay, Moses, and Elijah, and then you can see the tone of God in the dark cloud that came. So dark, so fierce. It's as if like, you know, you know, have you asked someone the wrong question and see their face change? You know, some people change turn pale, some people's face turn black. God's face turned black. The clouds turned dark. And it wasn't a fluffy, because when Jesus was baptized, it was like a, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And then everybody like, oh, you know, like Holy Spirit come down in, 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 in a form of a dove. This is like, oh, Jesus, we should build. And, and he's like, oh, sorry, God. I think we overstepped our boundary. I think we, uh, we made a boo-boo here. <laughs> Sorry, God. And Jesus' silence spoke louder, but they kept quiet. And in fact, you know, right this time, we don't have time to go into it, but Mark chapter 9, 9, it's written that Jesus commanded them to tell no one. And basically Jesus said, shh. To tell no one, it's not just like, don't tell people this happened, okay? Jesus almost like, keep quiet, shut up. This is why, because God is saying that, hey, I am more than just three tabernacles. And if, if you were to build three tabernacles, you're limiting them. You're saying that God is only as powerful as three tabernacles, as three stone monuments. God is bigger than any building. God is bigger than any monument. God is not a monument. So don't you dare God is saying, because you are the one that will suffer. And if this wasn't clear, Jesus made his disdain known in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 to 23. Matthew 16, 21 to 23. 
says this, From that time, Jesus began to show to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Again, suffer. How many of us want to suffer for Jesus? From the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. Ooh. And be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Do we do that sometimes? You see, sometimes when we make an idol out of God, instead of God doing the rebuke, we rebuke God. And, and, and before you go like, but I don't make idols. Do you know that there's two ways we can craft and we can engrave? Right? The Bible says, do not, do not make anything in a graven image. Do not engrave, right? So two things. We can physically engrave, but we can also mentally engrave. And sometimes, while we might not have built, you know, if I go to your house, I might not find a statue of Jesus there. And that's cool. If you have, that's cool too, but I'll probably have more questions. But, but we don't, because many times what can happen in modern day, modern day is this, that we mentally engrave. And we tell ourselves that God is only as big as this. And it can be two extremes. God can heal, but He doesn't heal me. Or God can heal, but He doesn't heal today. And that becomes our idol. Sometimes our theology can become our idol. Our upbringing can become our idol. You know, I, I, when I used to worship lead long time ago, there's one Sunday, you know, in, in Malaysia, and two couples came up to me and they go like, wow, we, wow, we really love, you know, uh, uh, today's worship. And you know, sometimes those of us who lead worship, it can get to our heads a little, right? Or you think that, oh, it's about me. And then they, and then they proceeded to say, please sing more Hill song. And I'm there like, oh, okay. So I guess you like the songs that... And sometimes we do that, don't we? We, 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 we idolize, if not theology, then we idolize a certain ministry. And I can only worship if it's songs from this particular band. Nothing wrong with hills and the way they write songs. But if we make them an idol, that's where it goes wrong. And we limit ourselves. And then when, when our favourite song comes up, our hands goes up. But if it's a home-written song, ex-church-written song, our hands come down. Ooh. Because I don't know how to sing. doesn't move me. You know? If, if, if we make this an idol, a certain band comes to the town, you will pay 50 pounds, 20 pounds to go for a worship concert. Sometimes you've got to pause ourselves to go like 20 pounds, 50 pounds for a worship concert. And yet, church we can skip. And yet, other places we will pay, we will travel, we will buy plane tickets to fly to a conference, we'll fly to a concert, we'll stay over for that band. But then, for the house of God, we have no such honour. Who loses out? We lose out. Right? And we can limit God with, with our thinking, we can limit God with our we can make an idol of our own experiences. Sometimes our failures can be an idol. Because you've gone through some tough times, because you've, you know, maybe you've, uh, you, you, you had some unanswered prayers, that suddenly becomes an idol in your life. And, and now when people say, come on, pray, you'd be like, uh, if only you knew what I knew. Don't you know that it's not so simple? Don't you know? Well, the reality is because you had one unanswered prayer and you have made that experience an idol in your life, and now prayer is limited. Not because God doesn't answer, but because you refuse to ask. Amen? And so we gotta, we got to be mindful, right? Okay, let's, let's go on. I didn't read. Did I read, finish that one? Uh, um, uh, Matthew 16, 21 to 23. Matthew 16, 21 to 33. Did I read this? Uh, yeah, yeah, but not, not finished, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Where did I left off? Sorry. Uh, uh, keep me on track. Uh, that's right. 22. Apologies. I will come back. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Right? And we do that. Right? We make an idol and then we tell God, that's not how you should move. Oh, that's not how God moves. Can you imagine Peter telling Jesus, that's not how God moves. God doesn't die. Right? And we do that sometimes. Right? Oh, God, that's no, no, come on. Because we make idols. And began to rebuke him saying, far be from you, Lord. Ironic. Rebuke the Lord. 
This shall not happen to you. Wow, he was so full of faith that he started to prophesy. You know, a comfortable and convenient life for you, Jesus. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offence to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And when we limit God, our, our mindfulness, and God is saying that do not make idols because I don't want you to be mindful of the things of men. I want you to be mindful of the things of God. Don't, don't you know, that's why in Acts Church, we call ourselves, we are, you know, we are non-denominational or interdenominational. It means that you, we, you don't need to be, you know, we do not exclude people because of their Christian denomination and we do not subscribe to a particular denomination. We subscribe to the Word of God. And, and Jesus is enough for us. Because the danger is sometimes we can subscribe to a particular style of worship, a style of teaching, and then our mindfulness is not on God, but on men. You know, I, I still remember, you know, the days where, you know, we would text new people, oh, thanks for coming to church. And then sometimes we get no reply back, usually, because the thing is automated, not realizing it's, you know, someone on Monday texting out, using his own, anyway. And occasionally I'll get a, a, a reply back, and then sometimes I'll get, oh, thank you, uh, but I think we're going to be looking for a church that has teaching similar to where we used to worship. And I'm like, no offense to you, but oh, I wonder if your eyes is on the teaching versus God. And sometimes we can have that. That's why some of us, you know, and we can idolize different aspects of God. That's why some people will go like, it's okay to come late to church because for me, it's about the Word. But then when you do that, you limit yourself because you don't experience the supernatural move of God during worship. And then you receive only the word. Or some, it can be the other side. We go like, oh, for me, worship is the most important. And then you come and then your hands are lifted and worship, but during the word, you fall asleep. And then again, you limit yourself because you only have the worship, but you do not encounter God in His word. For some of us, you go like, oh, no, church is just two hours for me. After that, I'm bounced. And then you limit yourself because you don't get to experience the presence of God in the fellowship of His people. And that can happen. That's why sometimes people will be like, no, I'm just going to you know, sit at home and, and watch church only. I, I know now that's not the case because you know, many people are watching from home, so good on you. But before that, right, I still remember visiting, uh, you know, I think... East Malaysia for the first time. And uh, East, East Malaysia is different than West Malaysia. We love both East and West Malaysia. But one thing East Malaysia has over West Malaysia is that they, they have satellite TV. They literally have that, right? And they have, uh, every household, they will have a huge satellite dish. And they can beam and they can get channels from all across the world. I do not know why, but in West Malaysia, it's illegal. Uh, in, in East Malaysia, it's legal, all right? So the bigger the satellite, the better it is. And, they, and one of the things that the Christians said to me, oh, we're so blessed because with this satellite TV, we can tune in to Christian channels, Christian TV. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. But then eventually, some pastors tell me, yeah, but Christian TV is also the biggest problem with Christians here. Because so many of them just sit at home and watch Christian TV and not go to church. Because in Christian TV, it's just the best preacher after the best preacher because they add it. And then when they go to church, oh, why, why is my pastor preaching about this? And you know what? I'm just going to go home. Because at home, with one click of a button, I have the best preachers around the world telling me. And so you made an idol out of worship. You made an idol out of your Christian TV. Do you, do you see how deceptive it is? It's not just, you know, the figures that we carve for ourselves. It's also our own Christian experience that can limit us. Some of us, you know, we are trapped in the bubble. Our idol is our Christian upbringing. You know, some of us, oh, I love youth. Some of us, you grow up, right? It is a very Christian word, youth groups. And your youth group is the most happening and until today, you are 28 years old and you're still telling me, oh, during my youth group days, you know, my youth group was so happening, my youth group was so big, my youth group, we did missions, my youth group this, my youth group that, and I'm like, okay, what have you been doing now? Oh, if only I can go back to my youth group days. Well, you can't, you're 28. 
right? Or some of us, you know, because we, 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 we travel, some of us, we, we grew up in another country, we come to London and then our idol can be our church back home. And then over here, we refuse to unpack. Because for us, it's like, oh, I like it, but you know, my, my church back home, my home leader back home, yeah, you have a home leader here. Gareth wants to meet with you. Oh, but you know, he's not as, you know, no, my home leader back home is funnier. You know, my home leader back home is, is more fit, you know. My home leader back home, you know, my home is back home. I... Come on, stop it, right? Stop it. Amen. <laughs> so long story short, repeat after me, do not objectify God. Amen. Point number three, as you draw things to a close. So how do we live it out today? How do we live it? How do we worship God? If command number two is how we should worship God, so how do we worship God? We must worship God in spirit and in truth. And again, these are the words of Jesus. You, you have noticed by now that I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to the commandments, but then I'm backing up with the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus taught about worship, and specifically in John chapter 4, verse 21 to 24. John 4, 21-24, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you are neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And again, Jesus is repeating Himself. Spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Trust me, I know the Father. The Father is looking for worshippers like this. Before this, they were having a conversation. This is uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. You now, where do we worship? You know, we worship at this mountain, but you worship in Jerusalem, you know. And, and, and can you imagine this person was talking to Jesus about worship styles? Jesus, are you, are you Bethel or are you Hillsong? We worship in the hills. We sing songs at the hills. Hill song. You know, you, you sing, I don't know. Again, just using these examples, okay? Not trying to start any turf war. But Jesus is saying that it's none of that. It's not about styles or brands. Do not limit God. It's not about comfort or convenience. It's about spirit and in truth. Numa and Alathia in Greek, right? Numa the spirit, the breath of God. Alathia, the truth. And God is saying that, look, this is how you should worship, right? Worship being led by the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So should there be freedom in worship? Yes. Should there be creativity in worship? Yes. Should there be excellence in worship? Yes. Should there be fire in worship? I mean, holy fire, not physical fire. <laughs> you know? Yes, because it's spirit. The spirit leads us. The spirit fills us as spirit. You know, it's, in other words, it's in, when you worship God, it's emotion and truth. You know, I wrote down here, worship is the dance of emotion and truth. Because to have emotion and no truth, that's not worship. And sometimes we can worship God like that. All emotion, but not rooted in His truth at all. But truth without emotion is equally destructive. And sometimes you can be like, you know, in this church, we only, we, we only read Scripture when we worship. You know, we make sure every song is biblical. You know, do, do you know, I, I used to, have someone come up to me and complain about worship just years ago when I was leading student ministry and there's one student who came up to me and said this, um, Pastor, I do not think that we should be singing that song, Jesus is my best friend. Because where in Scripture does it say the words, Jesus is my best friend? And that is truth without emotion. When you look at the Psalms, is it emotional? Yes. Very emotional. And what God is saying that spirit and in truth. And it's this beautiful dance. It's this beautiful balance. Do we sing with all of our hearts? Do we play with all of our hearts? Do we even dance and shout, yes, 
Why? Because it's emotional. The Holy Spirit lifts us up to do that. But what are we singing and shouting and dancing about? The truth of God that He is risen. The truth of God that He is alive. The truth of God that there is no other name under heaven that can save except the name of Jesus. And, and this is the balance. So what does it mean for us? How do we cast away our idols? It also means on a very normal, it's, it's, it means this, don't neglect the truth, don't neglect the word. Worship God, go to His word. But allow the spirit of truth to make those words come alive. And so your worship is both grounded in truth, but also alive in God. Amen? Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 to 9. One more scripture I give to you. Is that okay? Matthew 15, 7 to 9. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So again, you have Jesus here talking about the Pharisees. And he's saying that, your lips are saying all the right thing. Truth, 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 truth. But your heart is far away. The Holy Spirit is the one that fills our heart. Right? But on the other hand, you're, you're teaching the commandments of man. Right? As the doctrines of God, which is wrong. Instead, it needs to be the commandments of God. And so Jesus here again is saying, look, by all means, sing. You know? both with your lips and your heart so that we do not worship God in vain. And so I pray that this week, or you know, from today onwards, you know, let us do a, 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 a quick check of our hearts. Let's do a stock count and go like, God, how much do I believe about you is founded in the truth? How much of my own experiences are in the truth of God? Or are they just my emotions? My emotions of pain? My emotions of hurt? God, help me to be emotional in my worship of you, but have those emotions to be founded in truth. Lead me to your word. Amen? And so, again, this message is not just like a quick and done, you know, we have to go back and meditate on it and go like, God, the way I worship, and, and, and therefore it also means this, right? It's the dance of emotion and truth. So, so sometimes emotionally, we don't feel like worshipping God. We had a bad day, we had a bad week, but the truth is, if I don't worship God, the rocks will cry out. And the truth is, I don't live by my emotions, so emotions be dumb. I'm going to worship God. And when you do that, is it just truth without emotions? No, it's truth overriding the emotions. Sometimes the, 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 the truth can be so piercing, right? Like what Jesus preached today. You know, you do not worship me in vain. Ooh, ouch, ouch, ouch. And then we allow our emotions to carry that truth. God, I don't want my emotions to be in vain. I don't want my singing to be in vain. So God, help me to worship you with my lips and my heart. Because sometimes we can make an idol out of worshipping God with our heart and not our lips. And sometimes we can make an idol out of worshipping God with our lips. Oh, I love this tune. I love this melody. I love this dance beat. I love this tempo. And not with our heart. And realize it's not about the tempo. It's not about the dance beat. Amen? But it's also worshipping God in spirit and in truth, meaning that it's also beyond music. It's a lifestyle. So sometimes we can also make an idol out of musical worship, you know, but realizing that actually, no, it's also my Christian witness because again, that's the truth, right? And so whether I like it or not, the place I work is the, the place where I minister as well. Whether you realize it or not, all of us, we have a ministry. It's our workplace. All of us, we have a ministry. It's called our family. And we got to go, God, help me. You know, I might not like the people I walk around with, but the truth is I got to love them. <laughs> Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. 
God, we thank you that we are able to dive into your word. And God, we more than anything else, we want to live out your word. And God, today we are aware again that you are God, we are not. And that making idols is not a matter of, is not, is not for negotiation. And you show your great displeasure. And God, forgive us for the times where we operated in our comfort and convenience. Forgive us for the times where we limit you with our objectification. We limit you with our own experiences. Forgive us, Lord, the times when we acted like Peter and, and drew you aside and rebuked you and said that, God, how come you're not doing this? God, why is my giving not producing fruit? Why is my... Th-? Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for the times where we make tabernacles out of our own past experiences. But Lord, help us, Lord, to seek after you. Your word says from the very beginning, if we are to follow you, to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross daily. So Lord, help us every day, Lord, to be checking our hearts. Every day, Lord, to be checking our motivations. And Lord, as we worship you in our lifestyle, in our finances, in our serving, in our singing, in our living. God, help us, Lord, to do so in spirit and in truth, in grace and law. So God, we ask, Lord, would you check our hearts? Help us, Lord, to live for you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.